Welcome to the Bad Taste Crime Cast. I'm Vicky. I'm Janelle. Oh. Are you going for the quiet thing today? No. <laughs> well, okay then. I just wanted to sultrily whisper because oh. I'm going to use my radio voice today, so you better fucking buckle up. Oh. This will be fun. I'm mm-hmm. so excited for this episode. It's going to be a good one. Uh, if this is your first time listening, a special hello to you. Like I said, this will be a good one. Way to, way to join us at the right time. Way to join us. Way to join. Pat yourself on the back for Get getting up the courage BTC to hit play. badge for joining us. Yeah. <laughs> um, but first, we are going to head over to the newsroom. So today, this is just this is just a very weird. <laughs> I've been going with very weird news stories. High strangeness yes, is an effect. I, I love it. We're I preparing it. for 2020 with the strangeness. Yeah, a lot. I'll tell you what. A good subreddit to be subscribed to is News of the Weird. It is. <laughs> it is rife with just with weird, weird. <laughs> yes. So it, it it comes from ITV. This is about an inmate. <laughs> And that is all. (laughs) And that's it. Um, So this actually comes from the end of October, October 31st, I believe. There is an inmate who decided to smuggle some drugs into prison. He was given a rubber balloon filled with marijuana. I'm sure where you're going with that. Yes. Well, say it's a roller coaster. Stay okay. with me. Right, he was I'll given a, a rubber balloon filled with marijuana from his girlfriend during a prison visit. And he took the balloon and inserted it into his right nostril. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he was obviously able to get it past prison guards because mm-hmm. I don't think they typically look up your nose. Uh, but he accidentally pushed it too far into his nostril and wasn't able to get it out. But he had pushed it so far in there that he thought he had actually swallowed it. Yeah, no. So <laughs> he didn't. But this was 18 years ago. So, for 18 years, he had these drugs shoved up his nose, and he was suffering from, like, headaches and sinus infections, and was like, I'm not sure why. I don't know what's going on. So, they finally did a CT scan, and they found a 19 by 11 millimeter calcified growth in his right nostril, and it was this growth that had grown around the balloon. Mm-hmm. Um, it turned into a rhinolith, which is a stone in the nasal cavity formed as calcium. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't know that, but mm-hmm. now everybody does. Um, if you have babies that stick things up their nose. Uh, <laughs> fair. Fortunately, I've heard many tales. <laughs> um, so, they did these scans. They found the mass. They were able to remove it under general anesthesia. And okay, hold on. Was the weed still good? <laughs> I don't think so. So good. I don't think weed keeps for eighteen years, let alone keeps in a balloon in in a a nostril in a pretty consistent temperature environment. Ew. Also ew. (laughs) Um, So it had been removed eighteen years later. After three months, he reported no symptoms whatsoever. Perfect. Obviously because the drug balloon was removed from your nose. <laughs> Did he get thrown in the shoe for having drugs on him for 18 years? It didn't specify, <laughs> but I don't honestly know. That'd Is there great. like a statute of limitations on <laughs> smuggling drugs into jail if they find so. them on you 18 years later? I mean, they found him with it on him and in him and all up inside. <laughs> Oh. Yeah. Oh no. Right? They give you a a month for every 
year that it was in your nose. <laughs> Is that how that works? That you get works. 18 months for 18, 18 months. years of drugs in your nose. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, part of me is like, I guess it's good that it wasn't something else like cocaine. cocaine. But if it was cocaine, he would have been high for a very long time. Right. Just well, slowly seeping out of the balloon. And cannabis doesn't have, like with cocaine, you would, like that's how Residue. you ingest <laughs> it, right? With with cannabis, you have to heat it to get any. I mean, but like have that's, you ever really tried snorting it, Vicky? Admitted, can you can, admittedly? Can you no. confirm or deny? Admittedly, <laughs> I have never snorted cannabis. See, but so I'm, you don't know. <laughs> I'm also aware that it is the heating of it that releases the THC. But is your nose hot? <laughs> <laughs> can it get hot enough to can release the THC? Your snot in get hot enough. <laughs> To get really from- this took a really gross turn. I'm kind of <laughs> regretting picking this article. You know I'm taking it to the limit because this is a uh, fun episode. Gross. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is a fun episode. Uh, so, moral of the story, don't put weed in too far up your nose, I guess. Otherwise, it's you'll get not in a balloon. <laughs> if it's not in a balloon, stick it up there all you want. Ew. <laughs> not a don't. whole nug though. Just like, don't grind put, it first. Don't put God anything. Do don't put anything in your nose. How about okay. that? Just nothing. I guess if you want to be boring. <laughs> I guess, yeah, the key to an exciting life is sticking things up your nose. Yeah. Janelle O'Malley. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe not, you know, exclusively your nose. We're going to move on to Netflix and kill. (laughs) This week, we are talking about a brand new Netflix documentary called Bikram, Yogi Guru Predator. Can you, from that title, just imagine? (laughs) I thought you were going to say, can you dig it? Can you dig it? Um, I can. Can you tell from that title? about like what this is about oh, yeah um so this is about bikram chowdhury who he was like really key and kind of popularizing this yoga movement in north america and around the world as a lot of like kind of guru people are he was also one of these leaders that is you know, drives expensive <laughs> cars and he's known for dressing in nothing other than a black speedo that checks. <laughs> <laughs> and this is this is great. So this is from the IMDb plot summary, right? Oh boy, okay. His teaching style was tough love sprinkled with salty language and punctuated by spontaneous bursts of singing. I thought you were going to say something derogatory, like oh, no. salty fluid. Oh, no. God, Because <laughs> no. you said predator, so it's my true. mind goes there. <laughs> yeah, so there's obviously... People who do this whole guru thing tend to get a following of um, gullible people. Yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and they obviously were singing praises of being able to get confidence and lose weight and live healthier lifestyles, which is all great, except um, except when it's not great. <laughs> yeah, except, except when you're getting touched in the dog face. Except, yeah, except <laughs> when you get accused of rape and sexual harassment. Yeah. Um, which isn't something... So he's been around... Like, he, the height of his success was in the 70s, but these rape and sexual harassment allegations didn't come forward until, like, recent years. Mm-hmm. Um, which I'm not surprised about. There is... I'm not saying all gurus are like that, but... Mm-hmm. I know a lot of gurus who are. I know a lot of people who've been reported for it. Yeah. So this is really the first time that somebody's done a deep dive into um, Bikram Chowdhury and kind of his whole yoga movement and some of these allegations that really came out as a part of the Me Too movement. I will also say at the outset, he has not been prosecuted for anything and he is still continuing to teach yoga, but should be a very interesting watch if you're into the whole like guru kind of stuff yeah don't follow people it seems it seems <laughs> to me that's what i take away from this don't follow people yeah it seems to me when you're talking about the i guess like the guru culture or cult leaders in general not saying that this was a cult but it has a lot of similarities to one. Yeah. Um, it's a very fine line crossing over from a fun yeah. activity in a group to a yeah. cult. <laughs> when you're talking about these leaders, oftentimes they have this air of like, 
they're charming, but they also are like these figures put on a pedestal, which... They have a certain amount of egoism. Yeah, and it fuels this need to, like, drive expensive cars and have expensive things and clothing to make you look better and be, like, I don't know. It's just a very... For me, the Speedo was the the big (laughs) tip-off. Yeah, be a douche. He just loves being a Speedo. Wait, being a Speedo? He he is one with the Speedo. Yeah, I meant that. It's fine. You know what? We're just getting fun and wacky in here for this fun episode. Oh, yeah. Um, So that, again, is Bikram, Yogi Guru Predator, out on Netflix. (laughs) Go and watch it. Cool. Cool. (laughs) Moving on. Um, So this week, we are doing one of my favorite things. This was a choice I made because we're busy. (laughs) This was a life choice that I made. This was a life choice, but it's also one of my favorite things to do. I just realized I don't have my notes open yet. Good job. It's fine. Getting real wild in here. (laughs) Yeah, I know. So we are doing what I like to call a wild card episode. We need to have theme music for our wild card episode. Like casino slot machine music. Right. That's what we need. So when we do our wild card episodes, if you've listened to the show before, you know, we do themes every week. Sometimes it's burning bodies. Sometimes it's... I like how you went to the real heavy one first. Sometimes Sometimes it's... it's Victorian death races. Sometimes it's weird murder weapons. We just did that one. Mm -hmm. This week... We're doing a wild card. So wild. these are things that maybe we have wanted to cover, but they don't fit into a theme necessarily, or it's just something that we've been waiting a long time. We can stick it in here. It's kind of a whatever we want. No theme. <laughs> the unthemed. The un the unthemed. <laughs> Mine's not gory so i don't need a content warning do you i know i was one? just thinking um i am gonna say content is not appropriate for all listeners <laughs> it's not super gory but we do um talk about some instances of suicide i will be Ew, you so, do not me yeah mine's real fun and playful i mean almost no one gets hurt yeah. oh oh great i'll wait almost no one almost no one <laughs> unless you count emotional trauma Oh, <laughs> you're real good at that recently. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> uh, so let's get started with this wild card uh, episode. Wild card. <laughs> oh, my God. Wild card. Wild card. Periodically. <laughs> so the case that I'm covering was suggested to me by friend of the show, Alec J. Shout out to Alec. Um, him and his wife, Summer, are avid listeners. Actually, they called me when they were listening. They went up to Calgary recently, and they were just like, we were listening to the podcast, and then we decided to call you, and it's kind of like you're just in the car with us. It's great. <laughs> so many people say that. I know. It's awesome. Which I guess means we just do this naturally like we this is how we connect are connect with you on a real level real level wild car oh god <laughs> sorry <laughs> Not um, sorry so alec was staying with a family in wyoming who had told him about this case it comes from casper wyoming a city in central wyoming and it has as many twists and turns as you can imagine Ooh. now Due to the ongoing nature of the investigation, um, information was relatively hard to come by and mainly came from local outlets. That being said, a majority of my research comes from a local radio station called K2. Um, This is also going to be the reason I don't do this very often, but I only do this to keep us out of trouble. (laughs) (laughs) With the podcast. Yes. Gods. (laughs) Yeah. And because there's a lot of theories being thrown around about this case. Right. This is the reason why I'm going to read the following statement. All right. Prepare yourself. (laughs) The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are just that, opinion. Due to the veiled nature of information in this case, we cannot know all the extenuating circumstances surrounding the investigation. We are not accusing anyone of a crime, nor has any person or persons been charged with a crime in this case. There we go. Great general blanket statement. Thank you. If anyone thinks anything that we say is definitive truth, you need to do some soul searching. Yeah, there are some times in particular (laughs) I feel like we need to say that just Mm -hmm. to make sure. I'm not trying to get into any lawsuits. If you haven't guessed, this is an opinion true crime podcast. Very much so. With dark humor. With light fact. Yes. (laughs) We are very light on the facts. Uh, So. I am going to talk about the disappearance of Christy Richardson. 
61-year-old Christy Richardson was last seen in on October 6th of 2014. According to her daughter, Amber Fazio, in an interview with Crime Watch Daily, Christy had gone to Amber's house to drop off a birthday card and say happy birthday before returning home. A neighbor reported seeing her at her mailbox and then pulling her car into the garage. However, the next morning, Chrissy failed to show up at work. This sent the family totally into panic mode. And they went to her house where they found her car still parked in the garage. So, of course, this sounded alarm bells and they called 911. Police arrived at the residence and saw no visible signs of a struggle. Along with her car being in the garage, police also found Christie's purse on the kitchen counter containing her identification, cash, and there was a garage door opener that was normally in her purse that was not in there anymore. Upon searching the remaining parts of the house, they discovered her phone was sitting on her bed and the sheets were stained with some sort of substance allegedly believed to be blood or urine. Something you need to know about Chrissy Richardson is that she is a millionaire widow who owns a large trucking company in Wyoming, okay. which is why I part of the reason I think this case has garnered so much attention is it's like, that's one of those things that people can use in headlines to make it sensational. It's yeah. like a millionaire widow missing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that being said... Money is an obvious potential motive for the crime and something it seems police began to look into from the outset of the investigation. It seems that police have looked into Christie's family as they would have the most to gain from her disappearance because she is a widow. Um, Their father is already gone. So they did run financial background checks on Pete and Amber along with interviews and lie detector tests. No charges have been filed against them, though according to True Crime Daily, they do remain persons of interest, as you would kind of expect. You always kind of look at the family first in these situations. Mm -hmm. Authorities obtained uh, warrants to search the trucking company and its financial records. According to the Casper Star Tribune, who covered a release of the documents related to the case in 2016, Police discovered Christy had talked to somebody from the trucking company at 7.45 p.m. on that Monday. But when another person from the trucking company tried to reach her at 11 p.m., she uh, they were unsuccessful. So it kind of seems between, say, like 8 o'clock and 11 is when she Hit the fan. Yeah. <laughs> Items removed from the trucking company premises includes, quote, a PC with external hard drive, miscellaneous files, a plastic bin with files, end quote. But nothing indicates that they found anything of value in this. They may have, but like I said, because this is an ongoing investigation, not a whole lot of, like, evidentiary value has been released. Mm -hmm. But then, in all the files, this is where it starts getting weird. (laughs) In all the files, police find love letters that were addressed to Christy from a man named Bud Boyles, um, who was... That sounds like quite a character name. Right? <laughs> um, he was a truck driver for Richardson Trucking. Ooh, okay. It seemed that over the years of working for the company, he had developed romantic feelings toward Christy, feelings that she didn't reciprocate. In fact, in according to an interview with True Crime Daily, Chrissy's daughter Amy said the family knew about the letters before the police had found them. Mm-hmm. Chrissy had mentioned it to her family after one of the incidents of like her getting a, a letter. And instead of going to the police, Chrissy told her husband, who was alive at the time, and he confronted the man and was like, dude. You need to chill the fuck out and stop with the love letters to my wife. (laughs) Like, just chill out with that shit. Everyone had assumed that was the end of it, but it turns out that the romantic letters had continued coming, at which point Christy began saving them in Bud's employee file. One of the things they mentioned, too, is after her husband died, he waited literally two days before sending the letters again, which is like, oh, my God. Dude's got no chill. Nope. It's lonely there on the road, you know? I guess. <laughs> especially, and well, and it's just like, if you're not getting anything in return, he was persistent. <laughs> it just is, it's weird. Mm-hmm. Um, Bud Boyles 
was interviewed by police but hasn't been charged with any crimes they also didn't find any evidence that feelings were reciprocated by christy at all i didn't really see any big investigative news after this until 2016 when the Casper police obtained a search warrant for information from an AOL account belonging to an unnamed person at three ad- addresses in East Casper. There isn't any any indication of like what sparked the search warrant specifically or anything that has come of it. And then things get a little weirder. Gosh. Yeah, you can see why this is a case that people in Casper have been watching because it's kind of fucking weird. Well, also, Wyoming has like five people in it <laughs> yeah right it was funny because when alec told me about this case he was like you know casper's a small town and i was i looked it up and i was like dude casper's the second largest town in wyoming <laughs> but it's still like but it's 50, very small fifty-five thousand, i think mm-hmm. still so i was just like well okay fine <laughs> whatever <laughs> so we're about to get into what i would consider like the rumor mill side of things okay. which can get a little tricky um, but then again, you never know. It makes mm-hmm. for interesting conversation. This is totally right up your alley mm-hmm. in like the conspiracy theory yes. part of I it. I feel like we need to add a cork board in here with pins and string. And string. So we can like really for get it out. every case. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. We should. We have the wall space in the new studio. Oh God, we have wall space now. <laughs> I know. We can do whatever we, we want. We could put it over on that. Oh, I'm going to so get fun. us a mini cork board. <laughs> it's been decided. Oh, my God. That would be so fun. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> then we could just go over to the cork board and be like, listen. Yes. Just put our hands out. Like, I'm going to take you on a ride. We're going we're gonna to have to start doing videos to yes, post along we're gonna with Charlie the episodes. Day. We're going to have our Charlie oh, yeah. Day moment. Um, we'll just call it the Charlie Day cork board. <laughs> yes. That's great. <laughs> The next big thing in the case happens in May 27, 2017, when the city of Casper dismissed former police chief Jim Wetzel. The dismissal came as a result of internal investigations into the department and came on the heels of some other like city drama. And an earlier city council meeting, a survey was released that had been given to the Fraternal Order of Police members. According to K2 Radio, quote, the survey cited problems with low morale among officers, a large number of officers saying they want to quit, Wetzel's authoritarian leadership with... Sorry, low staffing numbers and the failure of former city manager V.H. McDonald to follow through with a meeting of the department's command staff that aired these concerns in April 2016, end quote. So they were not happy with him. Really? (laughs) Right. Couldn't tell. There were also claims that the department wasn't giving proper responses to specific types of cases, specifically um, sexual assault cases were not getting the attention that they deserved. A lot of people felt still feel that way and probably will feel that way for the rest of eternity yes i agree (laughs) now on its face seems a little strange i think people are looking at his dismissal as like well maybe this had something to do with the investigation of the christy richardson case because maybe that was also like because she was so she was such an affluent member of the community like Mm -hmm. maybe it just didn't get investigated into as it should have. Right. But... We're always very, very cautious when it comes to police yeah. investigations. So. And that's not that's not necessarily the impression I got. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it's hard to tell when there is so limited information. I don't live exactly. in Casper, so like it's hard to... I mean, even the case that we covered a few weeks ago about that woman missing who was found outside of Carmel, Illinois, like, yeah. that's local and we... St- like I, I couldn't even get rumors for that. You yeah, know? like it's yeah. very. It just depends. Yeah. Oh my god, the Reddit threads on this case. <laughs> Don't even. It, it's. You will get sucked into that for a long time. So this is all actually important because following the dismissal of Jim Wetzel, Steve Schultz became the interim police chief. And three weeks after taking the job, he turned over two cases to the Wyoming Division of Criminal Investigation. One was the disappearance of Christy Richardson. The other was the suicide of Mick McMurray. Now, you're probably like, that's an alias. <laughs> well, right. It sounds like it is. It right. is not. That is his name. Mick okay. McMurray. So, I'm Ronald McDonald. <laughs> yeah. You're probably 
wondering why halfway through this I'm bringing up this random suicide case. Yeah, Vicky, the fuck? Did you switch cases in the middle of this recording? <laughs> kind of. <laughs> Admittedly, this is the piece of it that when um, I had been told about the case, that was like, oh, really? Like, this weird connection got me really interested in looking into it. But after doing some research... I'm not so sure, honestly, about this whole theory of it. I'll tell you what it is, and then you can tell me what you think about it. Okay. So McMurray was also a wealthy resident of Casper, Wyoming, who made his money from the sale of natural gas. Um, He and his wife, Susie, are considered, like, really great philanthropists. They give a lot back to, like, the University of Wyoming, a lot of other various um, charity programs. Six months after Christy Richardson went missing, Mick McMurray committed suicide by self-inflicted gunshot wound while in his home. Following his death, McMurray's family revealed he had been suffering depression along with some serious health issues that were really um, causing him a lot of trouble. He was, I believe he was 69 when he took his life. The reason this is relevant is twofold. One reason being that there have been tips alleging that there was a relationship happening between Richardson and McMurray, like some sort of affair. It's unknown um, if there was any investigation into the accuracy of this claim, because, again, they haven't released many of these files to the public. But the other thing, and this is a big one that some sleuths point to for, like, the big connection between the two, is that two months after Mick McMurray took his life, his widow Susie bought the former home of missing Christy Richardson. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which, if you're thinking in the context of McMurray and Richardson had an affair... I could see where people would say the widow had something to do with it and, you know, knocked him off and then bought the house so they couldn't find any evidence. But it just uh, seems... They wouldn't sell the house right away after... You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there wouldn't have been evidence. Well, and they waited... I think it, <laughs> okay. it would have been... They waited eight months mm-hmm. um, to sell Chrissy Richardson's house. They, at that point the investigation that they would have done would have been done at that point on the, yeah. on the residence, they like any evidence collection. collected everything already. Yeah. Um, although it seems that people are not super thrilled with the amount of like evidence collection they've done. But I also think that there's more that they've done that they haven't talked about publicly. Mm-hmm. Um, but even in uh, interviews with Susie, because Susie McMurray is now running a couple multi-million dollar companies. She's, again, like, seen as this figurehead in the community. She has come out in interviews following the sale of their house and buying the Richardson's house. And she has described the move as kind of a a calculated decision. The fact that she would have had to take care of a multi-million dollar mansion, like the place is literally a multi-floor mansion Mm -hmm. on her own at 69. Yeah, it's a lot. That would have been a lot. But the Richardson house... It was also only three doors down from where her grandkids live. Mm -hmm. And so she was like, it's great. Instead of having to go down the street to grandma's house, they can just like walk a couple houses down and like spend more time with the family and having less to to upkeep. Because the Richardson house, I think, is a one story ranch. I mean, it's not like a huge Mm -hmm. house. Humble. Yeah. So for those reasons, to me, the connection doesn't seem it's. It's more scandalous, but it's not. I yeah, mean, for especially his, since there's absolutely nothing that they have found, right, to back this up. Not a a note, a letter, them being at the same place at the same time, like not from. I mean, I could see them running in the same circles for like charity events or like, yeah. but it doesn't seem that he. Like, other than that, maybe that they had any real connection other than living near each other. Because yeah. um, you can sh- you can see uh, the old McMurray mansion from her new house is the other thing. Because that was like a house they built together and she still wanted to be able to see it and all that. You know. mm-hmm. I, it just doesn't seem as likely that there is a connection there. Yeah. But if that theory has any weight, we have yet to know. 
Um, and either way, both cases have been turned over to the DCA, DCI. In a final interesting twist in 2017, Sheridan Media brought a civil lawsuit against the Casper Police Department. Mm. They'd initially asked for the records of both cases to be made public, a request that was denied. By the time the request had been made, both files had already been turned over to the DCI, therefore making like turning them back into open cases. The Richardson investigation never closed, but with Mick McMurray... It was determined by a medical examiner he had um, committed suicide by self-inflicted gunshot wound. Case closed. I mean, that was kind of it. So they are looking into both cases, although they have said publicly there isn't any evidence um, that the cases are connected as of right now. And there isn't any new evidence in um, the case of Mick McMurray. Mm -hmm. In 2018... A judge ruled that both case files remain sealed as to not hurt the integrity of either investigation and any connections that the cases may or may not have. So that's kind of where it's at right now. I didn't see, at least in my research, a conclusion to that lawsuit. Mm -hmm. It's possible it's still ongoing, especially with the files now being turned over to the DCI. There is also a weird, um, as if I haven't had enough weird connections <laughs> today, but the owner of Sheridan Media apparently has some sort of bad blood with Mick McMurray that people think is kind of fueling his interest in his suicide. It has something to do with a land water dispute. And he has been, the owner of Sheridan Media has not, He's gone public with it. I mean, he has never denied it and never said that they were friends or friendly or anything. But it has colored some people's views of, like, the reason that they're bringing the suit for the files. I don't know. But that's kind of where it stands. Currently, the Richardson family has offered a reward of $250,000 for information leading to the conviction of the person or persons involved in her disappearance. Anyone with information about the Richardson case is urged to call Casper Police at 307-235-8278. Vicky, Janelle, are you familiar with Agatha Christie? Yes, I am. Of read, course I am. Have you read many of her novels? I actually don't think I've read many of her novels, but I've heard of many premises of her novels, mm-hmm. and I know who she is. Have you watched uh, shows like Poirot or... No. Uh, dang it, what's the other one? Didn't she do the Murder on the Orient Express? Yes, she wrote Murder on the Orient Express. There was another... British BBC show of one of her characters. It was a female detective that I'm forgetting the name of. Um, but she had short black hair and she was very sassy. Murder, she wrote. <laughs> Based on recent. Agatha Christie. This oh. is recent. Oh, and well then. Yeah. Yes. So uh, Agatha Christie is the Duchess of Death, who is a preeminent writer, if you're not familiar. And she's been writing since the 1920s. Actually, since 1920. Um, Even to this day? Uh, no. her work is really all murder mystery um really targeted at lonely old ladies and (laughs) she has written over 74 plays and books in her tenure but the most amazing thing about agatha christie is not the numerous novels and accolades she has collected along the way no indeed it is her mysterious 11 day disappearance in 1926 yes i am such a fan of this i am so excited to talk about this so this is the agatha christie disappearance like i said mine's not gonna be bloody guts gory or anything it's gonna be fun and intriguing and maybe maybe a little sad yeah this one is pretty fun this one is pretty fun so agatha christie was married to general piece of shit archibald (laughs) archibald my nickname him douchykins christie um he was a military man and the two were wed in 1914 during world war one that's so funny if any of you are wondering that's literally what she's got written in her notes literally wrote that right now that's it there oh Um, god they had been living together in seemingly wedded bliss but unfortunately uh, archie was sticking his biscuit into someone else's tea so um, oh my god (laughs) 
Damn, Archie. Archie, you son of a bitch. (laughs) Jesus. He had, quote, unquote, fallen in love with another woman. With four other women. (laughs) Right? With all the women. uh, With a woman named Nancy Neal. Uh, she was a secretary for some organization okay. um, that he had been working with. So, so he's boning the secretary. Yes. Stand- very standard trope. Standard for the 20s. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so in August of 1926, Archibald asked Agatha for a divorce. Agatha was like really fucking surprised because she thought their marriage was going fine. Oh, she had no idea she that had he no was, fucking had clue. a side check. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Which is, you know, interesting because she's a murder, murder. mystery <laughs> novel writer. Damn. Um, but but she was super fucking upset by this announcement and she kind of like stopped talking to him, but they still live together and she refused to give him a divorce. Good for you, girl. Don't so, let that man get what he wants. Yes. <laughs> Just wait for it. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> in December of that same year, 1926, Agatha Christie left her home in Sunningdale and drove her Morris Cowley, which is a delectable car, okay. um, towards Surrey, England. The morning of December 5th, the vehicle was found abandoned with a fur coat and her driver's license left inside. Oh. So I'm going to Spooky. I'm going to read a little excerpt from a newspaper article <laughs> which I thought was pretty the way that they word things in here is pretty great. Okay. <clears throat> At 8 o'clock yesterday morning, the novelist's car was found abandoned near Guilford on the edge of a chalk pit, the front wheels hanging over the edge. The car evidently had run away, and only a thick hedge growth prevented it from plunging into the pit. In the car were found articles of clothing in an attache case containing papers. I love when you use your newsy voice. It gets me so in the mood. But that's how it was written in this article, yeah. and I'm just like, man. That's great. Is- they used to be, back when news was colorful. Right? Now it's just the facts, just God damn boring it. facts. <laughs> so uh, I love how they kind of painted this picture of the car just dangling off of a ledge into a chalk yeah. pit, hanging on by only two wheels. Oh my God. <laughs> So dramatic. Yes. So immediately there was a manhunt underway. Uh, a thousand policemen, 15,000 volunteers scoured England's countryside lo- looking for the lost Christie. Uh, the prime suspect from the jump was Agatha's husband, good old Archibald, um, of course. <laughs> As you would assume. Yes. So, I mean, he has a wildly successful wife. He was cheating on her with a significantly younger woman, like 10 years younger than him. Damn, Archie. Um, Yeah, so it's very rife for scandal. After three days, Christie's brother notified the police that he had received a letter from her stating that she was on a retreat getting some rest and relaxation. Hmm. Seems a very convenient thing to receive. The police were very much unconvinced by this and decided to press on with their search. (laughs) So there was lots of conjecture about Agatha's whereabouts. Uh, There were tales of her leaping to her death off the cliff. Tales of her falling into a pond called the Silent Pool. That Wait, was the name of the pond was the silent pool? Yes, because there was no bottom to it. It was a bottomless pond. That is bullshit. Mm-hmm. I you know what? That sounds like some nineteen twenties novel. Magical fuckery. <laughs> doesn't sound like a fucking murder mystery novel to you <laughs> yes yes it does so, the bottomless um, the bottomless pitch known as the silent pool uh there were also tales that she had been spooked by her own home because she thought it was haunted and she had to leave it these are all this is like things that were going off in, in newspaper articles like they were getting real reddit about it oh, in 1920 yes. the pre-reddit so, reddit yes which is um, just like the people of the 20s <laughs> yes just God. all nonsense they were all so dramatic <laughs> just thought the worst like the more outlandish it sounded the more believable people thought it was oh yeah because it probably was no <laughs> there was also a great deal of speculation that this was an elaborate publicity stunt and that she had left letters to several of her relatives explaining that she would return 
So this is another wonderful article by the New York Times from, um, I want to say, late in the year. Um, And the article's titled, Motorists Join Hunt for Mrs. Christie. Theories advance today to account for the novelist's disappearance are first that she has been murdered or abducted, and second that she has committed suicide, and third that she has deliberately disappeared. So they were all working these theories. Of course. Um, it's very, very interesting. But there were also a lot of reports of her being seen about London in disguise. Oh, my God. And I highly recommend you going. There's, I forget what website I just I had, an, like, an immediate <clears throat> visual of, like, Agatha Christie and, like, the glasses, nose, and mustache, like, Listen, disguise. No. There is no. a newspaper article, and I can't remember if it's the Telegraph, but it's one of the ones I listed, where it depicts her in her disguises, and one is a short black bob oh with glasses, and the other Hold one was a fake long brown wig so um she looks like a really really terrible rendition of someone trying to pretend that they're chinese in one of them and i was very taken aback upon like a very problematic a problematic depiction of a woman dressed up as someone who is chinese um So there, in one of the articles I listed, there is a picture me, of her oh, in disguise. Oh, oh, no. Oh, yes. I see. Okay. So it is very interesting, and we will have that link up so you can look at it yourself. I love, oh my God, I love the like 20s Photoshop. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> where it's, you just, it would be the equivalent just of like. snipped something out of a newspaper. Yeah, cutting and out another hairstyle <laughs> out of a newspaper, and then, yeah, put it on top, and then printed that. <laughs> Yep. That definitely looks like, oh my god, I, yes, I see what you, you mean. See, you see what I'm that's saying? Pretty, that's pretty problematic. <laughs> yes, but it was 1920s and you could do that. <laughs> yeah, it's but not okay though. That was Still probably okay now, the, the funniest thing I saw when <laughs> that is researching pretty this. Good. So spiritualism was very, very popular at the time, and there were a lot of spiritualists who uh, were holding seances and mass groups to try to contact her, stating that it was very evident that she had passed on and she was, you know, just hanging out around where her car was found. And so they held a lot of public seances to try to contact Agatha Christie's ghost. Of course, because that's what you you do. Yes, that was that was I I feel like I should be more surprised about that. But I'm also like, no, that's what you do now. I'm just going to remind you this. She was missing for 11 days and it seems like it was a goddamn eternity. But on December 15th, she was spotted in a spa in Yorkshire. Okay. now Christie's husband arrived and there were reports that she had severe amnesia and could not remember him. She's like, who are you? Oh, no. Christy had checked into the Harrogate Spa under the name Mrs. Tressa Neal. When asked, uh, her husband insisted he had no idea if, what this name could be, nor did the wife. So they're like, I don't know that where this Weird. where this alias came from. But if you noticed, the alias's last name was Neal, which matched that of the woman her husband had been cheating on her with. Oh, shit. Ooh. Christy throwing some shade. Ooh. Oh, my God. So, the two would return back home via train, where they were met at the station by thousands of fans. Aww. Um, so, it's like a nice, whatever, you know, arrival. Months later, in March, Agatha Christie would sue her husband for divorce. Wait. Mm-hmm. That's what they call it in England. You don't, you don't file for divorce. You sue for divorce. I'm confused because mm-hmm. so he asked her for a divorce. Mm-hmm. She was like, she nah. said no. And then, then she, she was she like, disappeared. Yeah. No, no. Then she disappeared. Yeah. Forgot who she was. Yeah. And then she sued for divorce. Okay. So there's no connection between that and the last event. See what I did there? Okay. <laughs> Because, you know, she had been had amnesia, and now that she didn't know who she was, she couldn't reconnect with her husband that she didn't recognize or know. I don't know you. Uh, I feel like kay. I don't know you anymore. Right. <laughs> Literally. I'm starting to think this is amnesia and exactly. not amnesia. <laughs> exactly. There was some heavy air quoting on that, if you couldn't tell. Mm-hmm. Now, there was an interview in 1928 that Christie told the Daily Mail 
how things happened. So she was driving past a quarry on the way back from visiting a relative in Dorking. There came into my mind the thought of driving into it. She's referring to the quarry pit. However, as my daughter was with me in the car, I dismissed the idea at once. That night, I felt terribly miserable. I felt that I could go, I could no longer go on. I left home that night in a state of high nervous strain with the intention of doing something desperate. When I reached a point on the road, which I thought was near the quarry, I turned the car off and the, down towards the hill. I left the wheel and left the car run. The car struck something with a jerk and pulled up suddenly. I was flung against the steering wheel and my head hit something. Up to this moment, I was Mrs. Christie. So she's kind of detailing how she got to that point and then had amnesia. So she felt like she was going to kill herself is what I gathered from it. But she was saying that she felt miserable and she just had to get away. And as she was driving, she let go of the wheel and hit something. And she thought she was going into the pit. And then she woke up and didn't know where she was or who she was. Okay. So... (laughs) I have so many questions Mm -hmm. (laughs) because, like, amnesia only kind of works like that. I mean, there is, like, a thing about triggering, like, seeing something and triggering some memory. I wouldn't necessarily call it amnesia. My grandmother has dementia and her dementia was triggered because of a traumatic brain injury from a car accident okay so things can be triggered by traumatic brain injury yeah um but that's not amnesia right the brain is a strange strange organ yeah (laughs) and there have been cases of people getting knocked in the head and having amnesia but the location and placement of her car the way it was Dangling, it wasn't really dangling. Um, it looked like it slowly rolled into a ditch, <laughs> so there wouldn't. There so there wouldn't, was no force, really, for her to knock herself into anything. Starting to sound like selective amnesia, exactly. <laughs> so the amnesia, I don't think, was realistic yeah, at all. No, but we can talk about our theories. Okay. Okay. Um, in 1930, Agatha Christie would marry her second husband, the charming Max Mallowan, who was an archaeologist, and the two met. Um, as she was on her way out to the Middle East. And this marriage would be her happiest. And the two stayed together until her death in 1976. Now, here's the fun part. Christie penned a novel under her pseudonym, Mary Westmacott, entitled Unfinished Portrait in 1934. Okay. The novel follows a woman named Cecilia in the midst of a divorce, bereft of the only people in her life that she cares about, Cecilia considers taking her own life, but while on an exotic island, Cecilia meets Larrabee, a successful portrait painter who spends a night talking with her and learning her deepest fears. Larrabee leaves Cecilia with the hope that he may be the one to help her come to terms with her past, and this novel is considered an autobiographical recount of Agatha Christie's disappearance. I was going to say, that sounds a little familiar. Yes. So, now that I have regaled you with the tale, do you think it was, in fact, she was stolen, she disappeared, or she was a... I don't know. <laughs> um... This has always been, and I'm sure you could tell from my excitement at the beginning, Mm -hmm. like this is one of those things that has always intrigued me because it is very weird all around. It is very weird. I feel like it, I feel like the amnesia is bullshit, Mm -hmm. one, because it does seem like selective amnesia, like she talks about like seeing her husband but not knowing who her husband is and my first thought is so do you remember how to write your novels like right. <laughs> because they were they were married for a while right um, or no do you remember how nin- long they had been married it was 1914 until 1928 okay so they've been married long enough mm-hmm. It's like, why would you... But also take into consideration, he was at war for a few of those first years of their oh, marriage. Okay. So. It just, it seems weird to me that you would forget that piece and not, like, everything else. Mm-hmm. I don't... The, the thing is, is, like, 
where would she have gone for that amount of time? Mm-hmm. Now, you said um, she was spotted at, when she was found, it was at the spa? It was at a spa. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, which makes me feel like the letter that was sent to her brother, mm-hmm. although on the face, sounds kind of bullshit. I mean, that definitely sounds like something like you would pen to give the illusion that somebody was just away for a while that's still something that people do Mm -hmm. now when they have like murdered somebody and it's like no she called me and left a phone call that's like perfect example and i'm covering your tracks yeah um perfect example is uh the susan powell case Mm -hmm. which has come into my mind because i've been reading a lot about it recently there was a documentary that's like making the rounds now that was an oxygen Anyway, he was like, no, she called me from this truck stop and said that she was going with her friends to do whatever. Yeah. And that sounds like bullshit. But if she was found in a spa, it Mm -hmm. becomes a little bit more believable that she was on like a retreat. Right. And also she used an alias, which she was a very popular novelist. So an alias would be warranted. Yeah. But then why crash your car? Like crashing your car to go away to a retreat. I feel like it would be just as easy to use a a pseudonym and go off without like Mm -hmm. making it seem like you were kidnapped or whatever. My theory, because I read a little bit deeper into this. um, My theory was that she was in fact trying to commit suicide. Okay. And Agatha Christie is a very devout Christian or was she's, she's passed now. Um, and that's a, a sin to kill yourself. And so I think in her attempt to kill herself unsuccessfully, yeah. she realized, like, what am, what am I doing? Yeah. What am I doing? Why? What is going like? Yeah. Which she, is common in, like, suicide cases yeah. that are unsuccessful. Mm-hmm. A lot of people talk about after the attempt, it was like like an eye-opening, like, that isn't actually what I wanted with my life kind mm-hmm. of a thing. And I think she was so emotionally distraught. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you think you're in love with someone for such a long time and you think your marriage is perfect and then you realize that they don't want to be with you anymore. Yeah. That perhaps she was in such a state of mind that she tried to kill herself. She realized that was a huge mistake and she just had to go be alone for a moment to collect herself and didn't think about the way that the car looked and that she left all of her things because she was so emotionally distressed. But I mean, she didn't wait very much longer after she was taken back to sue for divorce from her husband. So I think it was very much this kind of um, manic sort of depression that fell upon her and she kind of just gutturally reacted. Because then I'm thinking like, then why do the amnesia thing but then of course when you're talking about catholicism Mm -hmm. and divorce that's like divorce i mean that also lays the groundwork for her to get a divorce from him because she can be like well i don't really know him Mm -hmm. you know we were married but i can't remember him i can't remember anything yeah um and and now i'm hearing that he you know maybe in that whole thing she could sue for divorce because while she was away he was with another woman like that's a grounds for a sue for divorce um but wouldn't it still be like even if they were married i would assume his infidelity would be enough for her to sue for divorce But she's someone in the public eye yeah and she's a, a deeply religious person and all of these things like her husband is cheating on her with a younger woman that he works with. Like right. that is scandal in and of itself. Yeah. So how do you take away from that scandal? We have a larger scandal. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. There is like totally the spiteful part of me that'd be like, I would out those bitches, yeah. put their names out in the media and be like, these pieces of shit. But this is England, darling. And we don't do that. Oh yeah, true. <laughs> Everything is that's just true. gentle, you know, slaps to the face with a glove. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just, yeah, good point. It's a slow bubble to a the surface. A gentle slap you just, to the face with a glove. You just push it down. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's the There's British just, way. <laughs> I think there are the the pieces of it make sense if you look at them as individual pieces. Mm-hmm. Like the suicide, the whole suicide thing <clears throat> to me mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. But then when you pair that with just leaving the fucking car and going to a spa, like 
What I mean, is that was, all about? It was late. I, I want to know how she got to the spa because she's never right. talked about that ever. Yeah. And in all of the interviews post like way, way later, like yeah. post her writing career, really. I mean, she kept writing until she died, but she mm-hmm. definitely in the 60s. She had a peak. Yeah. In the right. 60s and 70s and stuff like she was just like not doing a whole lot. Yeah. She has never talked about what happened between her crashing the car and her arriving at the spa. She's talked about the buildup to the car crash. She's talked about her husband. She's talked about the cheating scandal. But she never, ever has discussed the interim period of her getting from that car to the spa. You would almost have to assume you would have to plan with somebody else Mm -hmm. to like come and pick you up or walk down the road to meet somebody which i would like to think in those cases because this might sound a little cliche but like because she writes fucking murder mystery novels Mm -hmm. she would have a little foresight to be like well i would walk down the road to meet this person so there's no tire tracks exactly you know i that's why she would have left her id in the car because Mm -hmm. by leaving the id in the car it looks less like you just walked off than somebody came and kidnapped you yeah right and two like my thought was Maybe she crashed it and someone came upon her and she's like, can you just take me to, a, you know, the gas station or whatever yeah. or the the bus stop so that I can get back? Because I, you know, to pull a car of that caliber out of a ditch in the 1920s took a lot of people and a lot of effort. So she maybe posited that story to that stranger. Right. And no one's really going to recognize her. Yeah. You know, back then, people's names and faces weren't splashed across newspapers as much right. as they are now like right you wouldn't you would maybe know her name and her writing but you probably wouldn't know what she looked like necessarily so she could probably have gotten away with being like you know i did, i crashed my car can you take me to the bus stop i need to get back so that i can have someone come in out here tomorrow morning because you know 24 hours is reasonable to pull it out of the ditch and then she yeah. never went home <laughs> so i don't know there's just a lot that's like really weird about this Mm -hmm. this story i have i've known about for a long time my grandmother is a very avid agatha christie fan she loves all things true crime and murder mystery so i have been like i've read agatha christie novels growing up and when i discovered this story i was a teenager i was mm-hmm. like what yeah she went missing for 11 days and she was totally fine it's and nothing happened what? <laughs> right i don't know there's just like like the fact that she when she left this is the thing i think that i'm like <laughs> she intentionally disappeared the amnesia was fake in order to supply reasoning for her divorce right mm-hmm. this is that's i think that's kind of where i land on this but mainly yeah. because when she left the house she left with her attache of clothes and left a note that she wasn't coming back that evening mm-hmm. at the house yeah which to me is like and i fully believe that she left a letter with her brother yeah yeah especially like i said being found in the spa like 11 days later mm-hmm holds a little more weight to being like going away to retreat just like get away or like going to do something just to get away for a little bit um the amnesia just seems like a ploy to like you said provide substance for Mm -hmm. her divorce um proceedings but like i don't know man archie you're a piece of shit first of all (laughs) she's little douchekins yeah (laughs) the, the whole thing is just weird i would be interested to know like you said, the fact that the only thing that hasn't really been talked about is the time between when she left the house and when she was found. Like, mm-hmm. what happened when she crashed, crashed the car? How'd she yeah. get from the car <clears throat> to wherever? There was a really great um, interview she did. And if you're interested in kind of investigating this further, look into that um, interview. There's, a, I believe I linked it in here through the New York Times. Um, you can find all of the articles I posted through the New York Times article. It's like that is like the chronicling of her disappearance. Yeah, yeah. There's also a really great book that I kind of looked into a little bit. Um, it, there's a little conjecture in it. It's called um, Agatha Christie, 11 Days Missing by Jared Cade. You can read it as a real, like I got it on Amazon and read it as a PDF and it's pretty quick and digestible. Yeah. But there's a little bit, again, of a little conjecture in there as to what kind of happened between her crashing the car and being found 
I don't necessarily agree with whatever, you know, he was kind of positing, but right. there's a couple interviews of her with her about 15 years later and she starts discussing her feelings and things but yeah yeah there's not a whole lot of information so weird it's very fascinating but i kind of wanted to go through and read because i have never read any of the books she published through her pseudonym Mm -hmm. um so i kind of want to go through and read some uh, mary westmacott books especially the unfinished portrait to see if you can find any information because writers do love to talk about themselves like every book a writer's ever written it, they're they're in there right they right. have put themselves in that story yeah so the the entire description of the unfinished portrait was like that's her disappearance that's her disappearance that's her disappearance and i really think because she had married pretty quickly after um getting divorced she put this novel out in 1934 she got married to her second husband in 1930 and i really think that the larrabee character mm-hmm. is her second husband yeah like maybe she met him while she, she was, was thinking about this story yeah because it's like this woman who is totally and unequivocally like out of her mind she doesn't know what's going to happen in her life because the one person she thought she loved is divorcing her right and she meets this magical special man this magic man Mm -hmm. there's a really great picture of agatha christie with her second husband max okay um there's i think like a book or documentary or something about when she met him because he is a straight-up archaeologist and she met him on like he was going to dig Mm -hmm. um in the middle east and she was just out there kind of on a, a scenic tour and she met him and spent the rest of her vacation with him on his dig and there's amazing pictures of her full out dressed up nice inside of these pits like looking at stuff it's really great nice <laughs> nice classy agatha christie yeah so that is the disappearance of agatha christie it's a good pick for a wild card yeah. episode it doesn't really fit into a whole lot no no but it's that's a fun one it's very yeah fun. if you need to give your brain a break from all of these mental mind benders that we gave you <laughs> from mystery and stuff why don't you check out this podcast the neighborhood is unsafe the streets unlit while others sleep soundly you lie awake because you know the truth you know that no matter where you go there's always a chance that a monster is in your midst the darkness that runs deep within our own veins the evil found in even the sweetest of souls sometimes comes to light and when it does the result is a person that takes on that evil that wears it proudly and becomes part of the darkness itself i am aaron from devil we know podcast and on our true crime show we dive into the scariest corners of our past and present to reveal the devil we know a father a mother a brother a sister and anyone anywhere who hides in plain sight living a life of bloody secrets while living just next door. Come check us out and hear the chilling, true stories about the devils we know. All right, guys, that has been our show for this week. No new events to talk about i don't think i mean we'll have stuff coming up in the new year yeah before we close out our show because Mm -hmm. we aren't really doing a christmas episode this year yeah we decided to kind of take a little break we decided to do a fun wild card yeah and um the end of the admittedly the end of the year got away from us a little bit yeah we'll have you (laughs) know snuck up We'll maybe we'll content do up on patreon maybe but we'll we do like really a good. half christmas or something sure we could do half christmas <laughs> that's always fun that's in june christmas in july july <laughs> like uh, july is halfway to christmas as i thought june was june is six months out but that's why they do christmas in july oh whatever maybe <laughs> i'm not making any promises <laughs> um so maybe we'll do that but we do want to wish you and yours a happy holidays mm-hmm. safe happy holidays yes please don't murder anybody as we always plead with you at the holiday times <laughs> like please don't kill yes, people i know familicide is a popular topic for us to discuss around the holidays but please don't commit familicide instead buy your family members some bad taste crime cast merch hey as a a goodwill gesture (laughs) a goodwill gesture here's some merch from a murder cast yes (laughs) 
<laughs> and then they'll be all, what's a podcast? <laughs> right? Because your mother is 100 years old. She doesn't know anything about it's technology. True. <laughs> it's true. My mom Are you knows. on the radio? <laughs> my mom knows about podcasts. Yeah, and she's... <laughs> she's years old. <laughs> she's older than I am. I would hope so. Yes. I'm not going to out her like that on the podcast, but... She knows. <laughs> she knows how old she is. No, I mean, she knows about podcasts. I'm pretty you impressed You know how her. old you are. <laughs> if she can figure it out, anybody can. If she can figure out how old that she is. That sounds super mean. She curses She every day. She's like, curse the day that you showed me about podcasts. Now she listens to a lot of podcasts, yeah, actually. Yeah. Um, but enjoy your holidays. Don't do anything we wouldn't do. Which doesn't say a lot about us. We we wouldn't murder somebody. Hey. Not killers. Hey. Right, Janelle? Right, Right, Janelle? Right? In this political climate. (laughs) I'm kidding. Oh, my gosh. Or am I? It's a mystery. No, we'll have to talk about that offline. Like I said, I'm going to get you to record. I think it's a terrible idea. Anyway. Send um, Vicky a letter. Say we want to hear a from you worded letter about you don't politics. Wanna, no. no. So happy also holidays. No. Buy some merch. <laughs> Stay tuned for some events coming up in 2020. All the things. Yes. And on that note, our sound yes. editing is by Tiff Fullman. Our music is by Jason Zachewski, the Enigma. <laughs> meow, meow, meow. Meow. <laughs> where, yeah, where is that girl? <laughs> we will see you in two weeks. Yes. This will be that'll be our New Year's Eve in our new in the new year probably New Year's Eve special yes <laughs> goodbye goodbye <laughs> question mark <laughs> end question mark <laughs> intrigue goodbye young women have left their bodies on the hillsides along the highway. It was as if a wave of evil washed over this town.